Talking Records Podcast. Talking Records Podcast. Talking Records Podcast. We talk about our favorite records. Talking Records Podcast. We're so glad you tuned in. Thank you all for listening. You showed up to the right place. Jen and his friends dive deep and analyze the records we have grown to love. We'll tell you how we found the band. Then give you a track by track breakdown of all the songs. So grab your favorite beverage and pull up a seat. Today we'll look at another record in its entirety. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Talking Records. Talking Records podcast. My name is Jed, and what you're listening to here is an album deep dive show. We choose albums we love and go beyond listening. Our goal is to round up the history and stories of how the albums came together. We discuss how we discover the bands and also discuss the tracks. It's a labor of love and an effort to put everything we find into one place. It's a convenience podcast. Today, I'm joined by fellow podcaster Aaron from the Growing Up Punk podcast. How's it going, Aaron? Hey, glad to be here, man. It's, uh, it's been a while. Always love getting to be on your show. And yeah, uh, welcome back. talk about an awesome band. Yes. Yes, it is awesome to have you back. We've been we've been talking a lot, just not uh we haven't been recording it. <laughs> well, I record everything. You record everything, yeah. <laughs> you never know when you're going to need it for some, you know, blackmail or <laughs> bribery. See what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how you been, man? You've been doing the podcast. You've also been making some music. Yes, I uh, have a few projects um, going on with some friends down in LA. Um, just that I met through doing the podcast, and that's awesome. Um, it's, I mean, that's quite a ways from where I am up here in Canada. Yeah, but it's been <laughs> cool to have a creative outlet, and I'm looking forward to releasing some songs this year. Yeah, I'm very excited to hear it. You've been talking about it, and you've been building up my interest and my curiosity as to what you're what you're doing with these folks down in LA kind of cool that like you can just make music with people all around the world I mean I know this is not a new thing uh, but it still blows my mind you know that these kinds of things happen especially because I don't really do it so to me it's like I have to get the three other guys in the garage with me and hit the record button on the tape deck but (laughs) yeah yeah it's definitely a new thing for me I mean the first time I went down Last year, I had never done something like that. Mm. We had been talking for so long, it felt like we knew each other already, and yeah, it was just cool to create with people with similar interests, and yeah, you know, you kind of get to the age that we are where like, we're kind of past our, I don't want to say past our prime, but past maybe <laughs> our well prime opportunity prime. for, uh, you know, for being, well, I should, not for being creative, but just having the time and resources and whatever, time, you know, yes. and, uh, but at Energy. the same you know, at the same time, it's like, you know what, you still, if you're still passionate about something, like find the time, make it a priority to, mm-hmm. to pursue it. And it's been definitely worth it. And yeah, I'm really excited about it. That's totally rad. It's awesome that the podcast connected you with these people. I just find that this podcast, your podcast, all this music stuff, you know, is bringing people together from all kinds of places. The people I've met through doing this yeah. and the opportunities I've had uh, through music has just been really, really cool. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, today, Aaron and I will be talking about Strike Anywhere's 2009 record, Iron Front. <laughs>
Iron Front was released October 9th, 2009 on Bridge Nine Records out of Boston, Massachusetts. So first off, Boston for me is about two hours away, Aaron. So it's this is fun. It's a, it's a local. Yeah, it's cool. A local label. They're not a local band. They're from down Richmond, but uh, exciting to have Boston represent here. Yeah. Bridge Nine is a great label. A lot of great bands on there. Yeah, and they had been on you know a number of labels before, mm-hmm. which I, like their first two were on Jade Tree, which right. I know a little bit about, not a whole lot. I don't know if there's a ton of this style of kind of punk melodic hardcore on there. So I'm mm-hmm. curious as why they went that route. And then yeah, they released one on Fat Records, I think, and then this one. Yeah. So kind of jumping around a little bit, but uh, yeah, it, it didn't labels. affect the sound. So yeah, and I've read uh, that they just. You know, they do that because they like working with friends. They meet people and they okay. just, you know, it's not like you're striking a deal with these business folks at a table that you're going to, you know, connect over like nine records. And, you know, it's like these bands, it's awesome that they just get to like release records where they want to. They make friends on tour or they, you know, they build relationships through the music and it's like, hey, we'll put out your record. And, you know, you're not tied to the previous label. They're not like, no, you're co- you're committed to four more records with us, you know? <laughs> Yeah, which, which is, is awesome. interesting because I feel like I've heard on a lot of music podcasts where it's kind of the opposite where, um, you know, you're under contract for so many. And I was actually just listening to one last week about a band and, you know, they owed another album. So they ended up just doing like a covers album, yeah, which, which turned out pretty cool. But it's <laughs> or a live you know, album. They, yeah, like they even said, you know, it was like kind of half-assed. You're just kind of going in and mm-hmm. doing it to kind of fulfill, but... It doesn't really have the life that an album should have. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it is cool when there are bands like this that, you know, aren't locked into right. that type of contract. And labels that don't lock them down. Absolutely. Right. The album was recorded that spring of 2009 at Salad Days Studio. Yes. Named for the Minor Threat song <laughs> in Beltsville, Maryland with producer Brian McTurnan. McTurnan was the one-time vocalist for a band called Battery. I don't know if you're familiar with Battery at all. Uh, not overly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more more so with his newer project, Be Well. But yes, yes. According to an article on PunkNews.org, Bridge Nine label owner Chris was just a huge fan of the band. The band felt strongly that the label was a good fit for them as well, according to vocalist Thomas Barnett. They get what we've been doing for the past nearly 10 years and seek to collaborate with us from a place of honesty. Old roots, new friendship. The Bridge Nine commitment to the original platforms of hardcore and punk culture while trying to push it forward globally with creative ideas and unity feels like a perfect fit for us. Paraphrasing Barnett in an interview on punknews.org, I remember right before the 2000 Voices Tour, we were in Nova Scotia sitting around in the back of our box truck which is where we live when we tour North America, playing some of these songs acoustically and having beers. We've had songs before Dead FM that were great, but hadn't had lyrics put to them yet or had only like a really strong chorus, but no lyrics yet. Everyone also started sending me like cheap poor man recordings with some guitar thrown down in GarageBand and attached to an email. And I'd open it up and be like, oh, what did Garth do last weekend? Oh, he wrote this song. That's cool. So that process kept on happening, and we ended up having oodles of material. Yes, he did say oodles. In the end, we used that uh, what started off as pieces or fragments, and they became full songs in a way that was really organic and natural. 
So I always find it interesting to to get a sense of like what the writing process is like for mm. for albums. Yeah, and they were. I mean, all their albums are solid, so it's not. I don't feel like they had a batch of songs that you know maybe felt a bit weaker. And yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's always. I mean, even after playing in bands, and I mean, music being such a big part of my life, yeah, I'm still always amazed at how a group of people can just bring ideas together into something that sounds cohesive and. Um, you know, whether a band wants to stick with their sound or change that mm-hmm. you can, you can kind of do it. Like it's such a weird thing, even though I write songs almost daily or riffs or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm just like, how do like, how do you piece this together? How do you get into somebody else's mind and, and work together to create something? So it's, yeah, I, I also like hearing how those ideas come together. Sometimes it's one person writing all the songs and the right. band just comes together. And sometimes it's just a whole bunch of random ideas that, fit mm-hmm. into songs oh i find it endlessly fascinating i always like i want to know like what is the vibe is the is the person who wrote the lyrics coming in and being like okay this is how the guitar parts sound in my head do this do that the drums kind of go like this you know i can picture like someone like banging on their chest at a microphone at a you know at a band practice space yeah. like is that like what i mean i'm sure that's what a lot of bands do or is it like, hey, I've got some lyrics. You were playing a riff yesterday at practice. I think it'll fit over. Can you do it again? All right, drummer, what do you think? Like, I don't know. Like, to me, that stuff is really cool because it obviously speaks to the different dynamics in bands. Obviously, if you're going to, like, kind of divvy out things, your song is going to come back probably sounding not like you imagined it when you wrote the words. But maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. It's just really fascinating to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I always like to know. I would like to be a fly on the wall for a lot of these. Well, that there's so many different ways to create, but in the end, it all kind of comes out not sounding the same, but all sounding like a song that you know has right. You know, generally speaking, specific parts and yeah. Unless you're like you know a spaz core band or something. But. <laughs> yeah, and they're strike anywhere, so it's like they're gonna. It's the songs are gonna sound like strike anywhere. You know, they're right. not like yeah. throwing in any like blues or funk in there. I mean, that would be that'd be wild, but. Uh, but, you know, on this album, the band definitely opted for a heavier, darker sound than on previous records. According to Barnett, uh, the songs touch on the work left to be done in a post-Bush America that still reveres corporate power and international empire. So. <laughs> Do with that what you will. <laughs> right? Definitely. Well, you know, listen, and we'll get to the lyrics of these songs in a moment, but you definitely get this very strong sense of like songs about you know corporations just getting a free pass but people struggling you know or like corporations being protected but not so much the people and it's just like you read too deep into these things you start to really get worked up and angry you're like damn you know like and how do these guys put this wonderful stuff to to music you know (laughs) like these are my thoughts like these are my angry like rantings when i'm angry but they managed to like really do something with this yeah and i'll i'll just kind of say off the start like i'm not a huge lyrics guy just kind Mm -hmm. of in general yeah so it's always interesting for me with bands like strike anywhere where the lyrics are you know pretty specific and topical yeah um you know especially in relation to like politics and things which i'm not super well versed in Mm -hmm. um so lots of my thoughts with these with a band like this is more about the music. Um, yeah. But that being said, like I, I've always liked Strike Anywhere's lyrics. They don't come off too 
um, like abrasive or in your face. I can definitely no. respect and appreciate that yeah, a band appreciate. like this has conviction, convictions and, you know, has things, has important things to say. So, yeah. um, because there are other bands, you know, similar to this, I don't need to name any names, but sometimes it's like, ah, it's the topics are almost too specific that <laughs> I almost feel kind of alienated as a listener sometimes. Right. I'm just like, yeah. you know, if you don't know what they're talking about, yeah. Yeah. It's just, even if the music's good, if you can't, if there's no relation to the lyrics, it, no connection, yeah, you know, yeah, I don't that find myself hard. going to those albums as much. So, yeah, good job, strike anywhere on that. Hell yeah. <laughs> According to Barnett, Brian McTernan, our producer, wanted it to be a mix of low and hi-fi sounds with all mm-hmm. the instruments. There are even some songs that are bouncy and melodic and have gang vocals singing like angels. I didn't know my bandmates could sing this good, but we all got in the studio, put our arms around each other, and sang entire choruses together. I think the new disc is going to feel real organic and heartfelt. And I definitely get that sense on this record. Yeah. I love the big, you know, entire band sung choruses and the shouting. A lot of the songs just start off with shouting, and it's just really, yeah. it is heartfelt. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah, I definitely have uh, plenty of notes about that for the songs. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, one last note on just, you know, the prep and recording of this album. The band had parted with guitarist Matt Sherwood when Matt, uh, you know, kind of grew tired of, uh, quote, the economic uncertainty, the homesickness, uh, and other mentally and physically draining aspects of the road. They parted amicably. It wasn't like drama or anything. He just said he was tired of, of touring and, and being far from home and not you know, really knowing what was going to happen next. It is kind of a life that can be hard to, to live if you are wondering when your next your next dollar is going to come or how you're going to feed your, your young family or, or anything like that. Yeah. The, the band brought up Mark Miller, who was the band's guitar tech at the time, to play guitar for the band. And he's, he's been with the band since. So there we go. Notes on Iron Front. What I'd like to do now, Aaron, is... I want to ask you, how did you get into, how did you find Strike Anywhere and how did you get into this record? So originally it was through uh, a good friend of mine named Jess. Um, he was one of my best friends in the town I grew up in and and uh, he was very crucial to me discovering new music because he had good internet mm. and uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know if I had it at that point. Um, so he was always kind of finding new bands. I don't really know how you found them back then. Um, but I do give him credit for, for discovering this band and we were just immediately hooked on it. Um, you know, and this was back when we were, you know, discovering lots of, of bands. So mm-hmm. sometimes that really stuck out. Sometimes it didn't just yeah. depending. A big part of it was if we discovered a band and then if I got their CD soon after, it kind of gave me something tangible to hold on to. Mm-hmm. And I never did. I, I don't know if it was just because maybe these their, their first albums were on Jade Tree and just weren't as accessible in right. music stores up in Canada. So it wasn't really until later that I even got some of their CDs. So um, in that way, I feel a little bit more disconnected. You know, I never had a book with lyrics and kind of mm-hmm. all that too. So, mm-hmm. um, But I mean, they're always a band I, I've come back to. And then, you know, later on when I could find their albums to download, you know, I definitely did so that I could have it on a CD and... Obviously, now a streaming can listen to it all. Um, this album specifically, I don't have any um, like real tangible moments of like first hearing it or whatever. You know, at that point, you know, music was a lot more accessible, and um, so it's just kind of an album in their discography that I love. But yeah, I don't really have uh, 
any cool stories about discovering this one. <laughs> That's okay. I discovered Strike Anywhere probably around 2006. Yeah, that's so that's when they made their Fat Wreck debut. Yeah, I didn't get I didn't get the Jade Tree stuff, but I heard Dead FM, um, and I'd heard of the band, uh, but like you, you know, I, I probably had a handful of MP3s or something, you know, a few comps with their songs on, and I always liked them. Uh, I remember like being thrilled with the cross between hardcore and political punk rock. You know, I like propaganda and I like good riddance and all those bands, fast, heavy, you know, heavy lyrics yep. to go with it. Uh, this band was focused on social issues. And, you know, as we were plodding through the back half of the George W. Bush's uh, dismal second term, <laughs> I found myself really latching on to these bands that were singing about what I was thinking. I mean, I remember trying to write political songs, trying to get my thoughts down on, you know, how I felt about what was happening around me. I could never quite do it. I was always really impressed by these bands that seemed to effortlessly say something meaningful uh, in their song lyrics over this fast, loud music. Um, I really liked Dead FM, and I waited the long three years for Iron Front. It was definitely worth the wait. I was quick to find out that... Um, you know, the album was a little bit more straightforward than Dead FM, but I really liked it. I mean, it was rougher, uh, not in quality, uh, just like in the sense of like, like get right down to it. You know, songs would start. Uh, there wasn't like a lot of messing around, it seemed like. Not that there was a ton of that on, on Dead FM, but this one just seemed a little bit more louder, faster, you know. So I always liked it. Yeah, sweet. Well, if you haven't gone back to their first two albums, I would highly encourage you to do it they're they're awesome yeah yeah i have since and i definitely definitely enjoy them now i just yeah i was a little late i guess to to the strike anywhere game but when i found him i got uh, i got really into it yeah. i like this band a lot I, I i can i can really listen to them a, a lot and not get sick of them which i don't know if uh, on this podcast i've i've admitted that sometimes with the screamy stuff i can get a little like i can get tired out <laughs> on the screamy Screamy music, but I don't know. This is one of those bands I don't I don't get tired of them. Well, there's such great melody in his voice too. It doesn't yeah. feel as abrasive. But I also I listen to lots of metal and, <laughs> and stuff that's full on, so that that part doesn't doesn't yeah. hurt my ears. <laughs> but for, yeah, if you're more so listening to just punk, and then you know maybe getting too much of those yelly vocals might yeah start to tire your ears a bit. Yeah. And I like it, but yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I'm just like, I'm not in the mood to be like yelled at for 30 minutes. <laughs> for sure, yeah. All right. Let's jump into the songs on Iron Front. There's a lot of great songs on this record. Lots to talk about here. So the record starts off with Invisible Colony. This song starts in with a roll on the snare and Barnett's roar of all oh, the blood for your freedom. It starts right in. I just I always loved <laughs> the intro to this record. You know, you put it in and that's like what you get first off. You're like, all right, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love I love that, too. I love how you immediately know it's strike anywhere. You know, they know how to blend aggression, melody, energy and passion so well. And yeah, it immediately hooks you as a listener. 
Um, yeah, the song comes and goes very quickly. It's a you know minute seventeen seconds long. Yeah. <laughs> what What are your thoughts on uh, on super quick to the point opening tracks? Do you like that, or do you want something a bit longer to? Kind no, of I like that. Into? I like a good. I feel like your first track has to like it has to make someone like sit up straight. You know, be like, oh, what are we listening to here? Is you know, it was wild. Um, I always like a good burst to start off a record. So I always appreciate this. Yeah, just a little over a minute, and it sets the tone for the whole record, like right away. First song, you know what you're getting. So, yeah, I'm a big fan. And then, especially with an album that has 15 songs, I think it's okay yeah. to have a quick opener if it's, you know, if, there, if it's an album with maybe only 10 songs, then sometimes it's like, oh, like that kind of came and went too fast. Like, yeah, just do that part one more time. But sometimes sure. it's, you know, then it's like, oh, then you want to listen to it again, and so sometimes mm-hmm. that's a good thing too. That's always a good thing if it makes you want to hear it twice. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I always tell people like I like short records. So when it's when it's over, I just start it up again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's something about that. <laughs> According to vocalist Thomas Barnett, "Invisible Colony" was written before all of this birther, deather, corporate manipulated, fake grassroots conservative movement. The song is about the divisible, glamorous United States. Our national unity has been a fabrication for a long time and now people are actually seeing the cracks remember this is 2009 so this was before the cracks got really deep Aaron before they got much bigger down here in the states um that's I mean to add on to being from Canada and finding it hard to connect with some of these topics like yeah I have little to no reference to any of that yeah (laughs) Um, one because I just didn't pay attention to it Right, and why it would wasn't you? my country, and yeah, and so some of it I'm just hearing through. Maybe in in a better way, I'm hearing it through the lens of, you know, a song like this where it's put together in a cooler way that you know might make me want to look into it more mm-hmm. versus just watching the news or or whatever. So there there is something cool about that, I think. Yeah, he says, you know, if you allow yourself to be manipulated by, uh, let's say, your government, you know, if you allow yourself to be manipulated which a lot of people are, I guess, quite happy to do. You know, it's easier, I guess, just to be steered through your life than it is yeah. to, you know, take charge and and do your own thing. If you allow yourself to be manipulated, then the powers that run the country or any country will will manipulate you. You know, it's you're, it's going to happen. If you're uh, if you're easy to to win over, even like with like corporations and stuff, like all this advertisement, they can get you. They're going to get you. You know. Come and get me. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they go they go really into like really deep into these things. He has a quote here that says, But if you can understand what's really at stake, then theatrics of a nation state aren't even important to our humanity and our civilization. Which is basically a way of saying, like, none of the stuff is really that important anyway. Uh, do we really even need a government? And I guess, I mean, I don't know, like, what his alternative is. I was like, you know, I'm the kind of political person, like, when I get into a conversation, I'm like, yeah, man, that sucks. But, like, what are we going to do instead? Or what are we going to replace it with? Or, like, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, like I, like, I don't believe in, like, anarchy. I think that would be terrible. Like, <laughs> I teach. Like, I've seen, like, you know, 20 kids run out onto a dodgeball court. And it just turned into absolute chaos with no rules, you right. know? Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm not, like, saying, yeah, rules are cool. But I'm saying, like, if we're not going to do this thing... Then what other thing are we going to do that's going to, you know, take its place? Right. One of the things he does say in the song, which I think is so dead on, 
is uh, about the song is he says obviously the people of the United States have largely been unable to disagree while maintain composure and I think that's probably true in a lot of places right like how can we disagree with each other and not turn to insults and anger yeah. and hate and violence you know yeah. he says we're so quick to cut each other down due to our differences of opinion but as it turns out we really have more in common with each other than we realize the weaker minded of our nation's people allow headlines and the internet and fear to throw them into panic and so these massive divisions are created it's unbelievable how easily people will get worked up about something rather than think it through and oh my goodness is that ever true you know <laughs> Yeah, it's a weird thing because if if nobody reacts, then nothing changes. But mm. it's hard to react with uh, some sense. Yeah, you know, in a way that's actually helpful, right? Or in a way that, like, see, my my problem is is I always like I always end up having to read everything about it before I d- <laughs> decide mm. what I'm gonna say. And yeah. usually, by the time I'm reading everything about it, it was two weeks ago. So I tend to be pretty slow with my reactions or responses to things. But I don't think that's a bad thing because what I've never had to do is backtrack some comment I made, you know, or I'm like, oh, you know, whoops. Like I jumped, I jumped the gun on that or I jumped to conclusions too quickly, which I think is so dangerous. And that's like a thing that people are always doing. The next song on the record is I'm your opposite number. This is a great sing-along at the start, kicking off, you know, one of my favorite songs on this record. You got this great, like, sing-along part, which is always fun. Yeah, this is this is one when I when I read the title, I can immediately hear that part mm. in the song. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I love that anthemic chant that kind of carries the energy throughout the song. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love when a song does that. It helps the song to become recognizable right away especially for a second song right after a quick opener. Mm. It was a smart move on their part to yes. to put a song like this right after the openers. It kind of sets the stage for, for what's to come. Um, yeah, the whole song's very anthemic, uh, mid-tempo, melodic, with a strong, passionate message in the lyrics. Um, the, the lower the flags, raise up the earth part is so yeah. good. I love that. <laughs> you know, it, it's cool when it. a simple, simple part of a song can make the song stand out that much and just makes you want to listen to it yeah. you know, again and again. So. And I've never awesome seen it live, but you know that's the part where the whole crowd is like, like just yelling that part for everything they've got, you know? Yeah, yeah, and that's I mean, it's a bummer. I never got to see this band live. I, I, I can't recall them coming through my parts of Canada, yeah, very often, if ever, and <laughs> or if they did, I wasn't around or something, and yeah, so that was too bad. I would have loved to have seen them live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. According to Barnett, it's a song about being cynical about the electoral process and the nature of our democracy. It's trying to get people organized to understand what's really at stake. He goes on to say the president might be a man who is extremely capable of making good decisions and taking care of people, but he's not really allowed that power because of the people who run the rooms behind the rooms in American politics and economies. Even though the faces change, it's the same rotten system. And, like, I think about that all the time. Like, I don't even know if you can be a good politician. Because if you are, if you're going to be 
in public office, you have to gain support, right? You have to get a lot of people yeah. to want to vote for you. Well, how do you get a lot of people to support you? Well, you have to make Pick all kinds of and, yeah. promises, right? You have to start telling people that you're going to help them in this way and that way. And before long, you've you've either overstretched or you've made a lot of promises that maybe interfere with your own convictions a little bit like okay well to get your support i guess i have to do that thing that i didn't really want to do but if i don't do it then i lose you know i lose this <laughs> group of supporters i just i feel like you have to make like way too many concessions compromises whatever you know yeah and i think a big part of why i'm not into politics is because i don't care about winning i'm not uh mm. <laughs> um, what's the word where you want to um competitive yeah so i'm just like i just i don't care about somebody trying to beat the other i'm just like whatever yeah and then when you get there you know, after you've done all that then you have to deal with all these people that you have to convince them to like go along with what you want to do you know help pass your bill or support your legislature, whatever. I just, I just think it, what a frustratingly difficult position if you want to make mm. any real positive change. And nobody really yeah. likes change anyway, and people are slow to a new thing. So it's like, <laughs> I think it, he's got a pretty good nail on the on the a pretty good nail in the coffin here. When he's like, yeah, people run this country. They they can't or any country it doesn't necessarily have to be the U.S. You know. Yeah. See, and that's a, another thing. If it's like, democracy, I, then they have to get people to agree, which is hard. I I don't mind change, so I'm just like, just do mm. it already. Why is it going to take so long? But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I also understand in those types of big systems, it has to take a while. But yeah, I'm like yeah, just shut up and do it already. Like I'm moving on here. All right, I can roll with it. Let's go. As long <laughs> as it's like positive change, you know. If we're, if we're taking steps backwards, then I'm gonna kick and scream a little bit. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. But the, the funny thing, of course, is, though, that when things are successful, it's the group's success. You know, the the president gets something or the whatever. Yeah, the, I guess. The prime minister, it's the team, you know, one person's success. But when something doesn't go right, it's all that person. It's the president's failure, yeah. the prime minister's failure, you know. So, I don't know. It's it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't say I've ever blamed my prime minister for anything, so that goes to show I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> or I'm just like, if I have a problem, I'll f try to find a way to fix it in some regards instead of waiting yeah. for somebody else. So. Right, right. Well, that's lucky. That's lucky for you that you have a situation where you're not terribly, terribly affected by these, these decisions that these people are making. All right, South Central Beach Party. I love how the songs on this record just get right to it. Like, boom. <laughs> yeah. They're not fooling around with, like, long extended intros. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the guitar octaves going at the start of the song progression really remind me of bands like Set Your Goals, which, you mm. know, it's a different for a band like this, like just just the progression of it. You know, it's not a, not a good or bad thing, just kind of what came to mind yeah. right away. Um, 
you know, I love when the song breaks down with a bit with the the kind of kick drums going, and then the tom beat comes in. Yeah, it breaks up the pace of the song. Um, you know, it ends more mid tempo versus straight fast at the beginning, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, just really good dynamics on the song, which is sometimes hard to do on shorter songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but as in, in notes for for later songs, there are ones that are short that have a lot more dynamics. So yeah. I, I do love you know how sometimes it's just straight to the point. And sometimes there's a bit more back and forth and they just do it so well without it feeling like too choppy or kind of abrasive or like, oh, that was a little odd. Jarring, like it always yeah. seems to flow really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm always impressed uh, when bands can throw a lot of stuff in there and not have it feel disjointed. Yeah. And, and I think by well. this point, you know, they've done four, five albums. So I think mm-hmm. they kind of know, you know, what works well. Not that they didn't in their earlier albums, but this yeah. does sound like a, a really polished album. Yeah, like a well-oiled machine, as they say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what are your thoughts on the song? It's a great song. I love it. I Like I said, for, you know, first few songs into the record, it's just bang, bang, bang. I, I like that. I feel like this is the record. Like, I love listening to this band. I feel like I often throw this one on when I'm in my car. You know, if I just want something that's just going to keep moving, not like their previous yeah. albums had like long, slow parts or anything like that. But I don't know. I always go to this one because it's the one front to back that's just one powerful blast after another, you know? For sure. <laughs> yeah. And that, I mean, that's amazing that a band that's been around, you know, this album came out 2009. When, mm-hmm. did, when did their first album come out? Two thousand. Two thousand four i feel like it was maybe even earlier than that anyways you know where they can still pump out 15 songs that are all awesome and high energy and Mm -hmm. um you know i feel like some bands that you know into those four fourth or fifth albums like either starts to slow down or they start um you know experimenting with different styles or whatever and so i I love that about strike anywhere that you know the songs like this just remind me that okay this is strike anywhere you know they're they're not looking to change, but they still have a lot of power behind them. Yeah, yeah, they're able to pull that off. Like I don't I don't need them to get too crazy. You know. Yeah. Some bands I want. So there's a lot of bands out there that I, I want them, and maybe because they they always do it, so you you come to expect that they're going to progress in different ways. And there are other bands that I'm I'm totally fine with. Yeah, it sounds like this band, and I want to hear that band, and they're making <laughs> the sounds I want to hear. Like, I don't need them to get crazy. I, you know, people joke there's certain bands out there, they're like, oh, they've been recording the same song for 20 years. And it's like, yeah, but I like that song. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it works, then why? You yeah. Know. I like the sound of this band. They're making more sounds that I like. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, but I'm a hypocrite because I might also say on another, you know, another episode, like, oh, yeah, they're doing this again. You know, I don't know, but. I guess there's certain uh, bands I'll give a free pass to. Like they're always just going to make that sound that I, that I like, and yeah, I don't know, who cares, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think I've ever criticized a band for sounding the same because no, no. I, I like bands that I, I don't have to be like, oh, like you know, this one was a bit weird, or yeah, I just like when it's like, yep, sounds like the band I love. Keep right. it coming. Doesn't bother me. Although I will say there are certain bands that like after a while, like I just kind of get a little bored with. But I don't. I, I can't think of one right now. But like, oh yeah, you know, they're kind of doing the same thing that they've always been doing. Like it's just there's nothing really new here. Or it, maybe it's maybe it's just the the songs or something don't really feel that inspired. But I I don't necessarily know if it has anything to do with the fact that it sounds the same. Or maybe I'm just I don't know. But yeah, 
Yeah, who knows? I don't get too down on a band for sounding like like their like their band. <laughs> yeah. Jumping into South Central Beach Party's lyric matter a little bit here, Aaron. It looks like uh, the band take a look at racial profiling in this song, uh, but more than that, it's about like the disparity between the rich and the working class. So according to Barnett in that punknews.org interview that I found, he tells uh, a story about how he had, here's the quote, I had a garage set up when me and my wife and some friends rented a house in South Central Los Angeles right off the Crenshaw Boulevard exit. I would hear police helicopters all the time. It was like the natural world had gone and was replaced with industrialized, militarized state control over working-class poor families. Um, According to Barnett, it's about how people can talk about bootstraps and personal responsibility when people are kept in these urban corrals, Mm. you know, with such limited options. Again, it's like that control, controlling people. You know, we know where they are. So he says that South Central Beach Party is about the neighborhood where... There's two King riots. There's Dr. Martin Luther King and Rodney King passing by on the streets. What is the nature of rebellion? When one piece of history calls it a riot and the other piece of history that you never read calls it something organized. It's the exclamation point at the end of a long story about one people's oppression. So a lot of notes just on, you know, race and people's viewpoints, people's perspectives on race. So I was, I was, find that pretty interesting i like to read those kinds of things i like to read people's perspectives on things well he called it a demonstration he called it a riot she called it a peaceful gathering he called it a Mm. violent outbreak you know it's like (laughs) depending on what what side is doing the observing it's described quite differently yeah well that's a an interesting perspective or, or, or different from you know, maybe again, where I'm at, where it's kind of smaller cities and more space and mm-hmm. not as maybe much of that kind of chaos. I mean, we have we have our issues up here and, and whatnot, but it's, uh, yeah, you know, to be somewhere where you're always hearing, hearing helicopters. I mean, I hear police sirens pretty much every day where yeah. I live. And Are you in a city? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And we're like right off of a main road, and so there's always either police or fire going down the main road to get to wow. kind of another main main road. And and so, I mean, every day it's like there's a siren, and I'm always aware of it. I'm always like, oh, like what's going on now? And mm. and uh, so, yeah, it's, you know, I, I guess in that in that sense, I could be like, man, this is getting kind of annoying. Like, what is going on out there? And I know. But it's a reminder that there's stuff going on out there. Someone has to respond to it, and there's some kind of issue that needs to be fixed that probably will never get fixed, and kind of what to do with it. So it's uh, cool to hear how he took those, you know, scenarios and put them into a song. Yeah, absolutely, great song. I want to move on to Failed State. We call it This is a song about the dangerous constraints of using religion to close down your mind. And this one comes actually kind of with an interesting story that I was reading about that I just want to share really quickly before I get your thoughts on this jam, Aaron. Um, 
I, I forget where I read this. It might have been in the liner notes of the record, or it might have been somewhere else. I don't really recall. But I did read about how there was this woman that Barnett worked with, and she was in a wheelchair, uh, and she was an activist for the sexuality of the disabled and for the gay community in the disabled group. And, of course, this ran her afoul with, with certain groups and you know, certain groups like Focus on Family and stuff like that. And according to Barnett, her story and her courage in the face of this like hateful world of evangelical Christian right groups trying to demonize and criminalize sexuality and differently abled people, um, I guess they think that the disabled should be like eunuchs or something. Like they shouldn't have, you know their own sexuality and so failed state made me think about organized religion and the song talks about freeing yourself from that kind of bondage so it's just one of those things where i guess it depends who you are you know and it depends how how you use religion and in this case he was coming up against people that were using it to like keep people from doing something you know yeah it's um like i am a person of faith and Mm -hmm. so it's uh you know, I I don't know that. Um, yeah, I, I I wouldn't go about, you know, say a disabled group or or whatever. I'm not the type to, you know, I would I would rather say, you know, what is a way I can benefit this person's life instead of um, having an opinion or something that's really not going to change the matter or subject. Yeah. And uh, you know, sometimes that's hard, and you know, I have convictions and, and whatever, but. Sure. Um, I, I'm also more about um, people and, you know, finding a way to to bridge gaps instead of creating bridges that are, are burning. So right. it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't I didn't pick that that up on this song, but that's that's cool to hear that. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's I mean, it's it's a weird world out there and it's hard sometimes to know, you know, what to say and what not to say and how to act and how not to act and. Yeah. Well, yeah, I and I, I sense, it, but. in your description is what I always, you know, grew up thinking it was supposed to be. Like I I, you know, as a young lad, I did attend church and I remember all that talk about, you know, do unto others the way you, you know, treat others the way you'd want to be treated and help your fellow man and you know, help extend the hand of, you know, love and and helpfulness and you hear all these stories about like But then as you get older, you realize that the in certain groups, it only really applies to people who, uh, you know, agree with this way of thinking. And, and yeah, I mean, I would think that if you have faith and you're like trying to like make the world a better place that you do everything in your power to like help everybody and anybody. (laughs) Yeah. And I I mean, you could use that kind of, whether it's um, religion or politics or, or whatever, you can use it for good or you can use it for bad. And unfortunately, the bad often is what stands out and mm-hmm. um but you know you just have to kind of go with your convictions and and try to make the best decision with that and when there yeah. are bad examples out there just being like you know what we're all humans we're all broken we're all going to make mistakes that doesn't make things okay but it also means like we all have to have grace with one another like Mm-hmm. you know that's sometimes it's you know from a faith standpoint it, it can get frustrating when like all the negative stuff is what's put out there and yeah, yeah. I, I find that frustrating too but sure. you know from my side i can see you know even just 
in my own community and the things that we're trying to do in the community and for people in need. And, um, you know, we're not doing it to, to get on the news or for recognition. Right. Um, but it's, you know, it's just so easy to point the finger at the negative, you know, instead of putting the effort in to see, you know, what are the good things happening, whether you agree with the reasons why it's being done or not. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it's my thoughts. That's great. So you were mentioning earlier about how you are, you are tend you tend to be more like community. What's like in your community. You're not so much worried about like, you know, the top of the hill, what what's happening sure. up there. You're, you're focused at where you're at, your circle, the people around you and how you can help and how they can help. And I, I think that's really good. Cause that's really all you can, I mean, you can't control it, but I mean, that's all you can really hope to contribute to and if you can't make that better <laughs> you know there's no way you're gonna be able to do anything to the the people on the hill or whatever yeah so. yeah and that's been you know whether it was covid or black lives matter or lgbtq or whatever big thing is going on in the world i'm just like you know what nobody cares what my opinion is my mm-hmm. opinion makes no difference or change to the situation mm-hmm who is in front of me that I can love and care for regardless yeah. of what's going on in their life. And, you know, support, I just, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not saying that's the right view to have, but for me, it's like if I can have an impact on someone's life directly versus just having an opinion of like, I'm going to go to a protest. It's like, mm. again, not saying that's wrong to go to a protest, but no, me being there is probably not going to change anything. Right. And, uh, so, I mean, I guess it shows support or whatever the situation might be, but, you know, but you're ma- yeah. And you're making a direct connection with another person. Whereas if you go somewhere and again, I'm, and I'm not putting down protest either, but re- like, really, if I'm standing there with a giant sign on the corner and it, you know, it has my message on it, is someone really going to drive by and see that message and be like, Oh, you know what? I hadn't thought about it that way. That yeah. guy <laughs> on the street, he had, he had that sign. I read it and, uh, you know, I was really not about that, but you know, something about, yeah, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm being lighthearted. I'm sure, you know, there's some people out there that would probably shake their head at me and be like, you moron. That's not the point. Yeah. But I do agree with direct connection. You know, as an educator, my big thing has always been direct connection with other people. That's the only way you're going to be able to make any sort of headway on exactly. any <laughs> issue whatsoever. Yeah. And an but. opportunity to have an open conversation instead of just, this is my opinion. I believe yeah. it's right. Take it or leave it. Right. It's like, hey, what do you think? You're Here's wrong. What I'm I right. think. Yeah. Do we, we have to agree? No. But maybe yeah. there's some common ground there to, to better the situation instead of just adding more and more sure. negativity or nonsense or whatever it is. So, Or like Thomas Barnett said at the, in, at the beginning in that quote I read, we have more in common than I think we realize, you know? Yeah. Like we're all getting screwed by millionaires and <laughs> people that don't give a fig about what we're doing. We're just fighting with each other while, you know, our governments and our, our large corporations are just making money hand over fist and laughing at us the whole way through. But anyway, let's move on to Hand of Glory. And this song kind of deals with 
you know, the, the, the government being run by wealth, you know, the amount of money spent. Uh, I, I get so blown away, Aaron, when I read about like campaigns and campaign dollars mm. and just the amount of money that just goes into these like elections, presidential elections. I don't know how they do it up there in, in your world of, of, of Canada, but when I read about campaign donations and how much it costs to run for president or, you know, or for anything, any, any office that you want to have, it, it, the donors and the money, it's, it's so crazy. Yeah. I, I really don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. um, again, I'm pretty simple minded when it comes to, you know, to leading a simple life that doesn't cost a lot. And, and so, so, I mean, some of that stuff, yeah, I mean, it, it's sad. It could be going to such better things. And, again, it's like, well, well, what can I do with my finances to better something instead of getting mad about how other people are using theirs? Like, <laughs> I don't know that I can change that. And But, yeah, it's right. such a such an odd – again, I don't know if that's a problem that will ever change. Probably um, not. You know, the, the distinction between the rich and the poor and mm-hmm. and, you know, how taxes or – politics you know take money from those that actually need it and i don't know it's one of those things that if i was on my deathbed tonight i I wouldn't be thinking about that and so it's it's kind of one of those like bigger issues that i'm like i don't know what to do with like good luck figuring it out yeah it sucks for those that are getting screwed for sure and I, i don't know what the answer is i don't think there is one i just always think that like there's no way like your average worker or your average person could ever afford to to do this so i mean that so that automatically qualifies our system as being a little weird you know it's like okay it's really only accessible to this one group of people this wealthy group um i think the reason why i bring all that up and you know that's what the song talks about is because of course being strike anywhere they want to look at okay well what happens when that all comes crashing down you know i don't know if it'll change either but you know they they pose well what if it does you know uh, <laughs> what if it all goes belly up and he talks about, you know, being prepared, you know, sustainable farming, rooftop gardens, mutual aid in communities, working outside this manufactured, immoral, fake societal, uh, Darwinist dogma of competition. You said you're not competitive. You're like, you know, moving away from all that. Yeah. Which sounds like paradise, doesn't it? But I mean, I, how, how, how real is that? I mean, we already have things in our, our lives that we know about that could replace, you know, like oil and, and stuff. And it's been so hard to like move people in that direction, solar and electrical. And yeah, I think it's one of those things we would all agree. It's better to, to have community and work together on things and to be separate. But, but that's where money, power and greed come in and takes that away. And, um, so yeah, I guess that's where the the issues lie. And uh, with this song, I, I love that it's back to the kind of classic strike anywhere, fast drumming, fast vocals, yeah. some simple repeated lyrics, which helps to break up you know the fast paced. Mm-hmm. Um, so back to with Thomas, like I've always loved that even when the lyrics are very quick, they're still like pronounced and melodic. They have yeah. a great flow to them. Um, you know, he's a great singer in that regard. The vocals never, like we were saying before, the screamy, like to me, they never, never feel tiring, even when there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. Um, and so again, just, I I think they do that really well. And I don't know, like, 
I feel like I often talk really fast and it just sounds like mumbled and jumbled. And <laughs> I can't imagine trying to do that like while like scream yelling with music, but I know. somehow they, they do it. And yeah, another quick song that uh, flies right by. Definitely flies by. And you're so right. Like he has, he has the ability to enunciate his his words without and it's not like he's singing like simple stuff either it's like the stuff that he's singing about and he gets it out quickly enough and clearly enough <laughs> it's definitely like a an amazing skill that i don't i don't think i have yeah i wonder what that's like in the studio with this type of vocal you know oh, how many God. times are you repeating it or are you just kind of like going for it how much is um like at I that level I of listen, intensity too yeah like i just feel like how um, I'm gonna try to say it. like in say like more of a pop punk song like the hook is very pronounced it's like it's in the right spot it has to be there whereas with something like this I kind of feel like it would just kind of flow regardless of if it's perfectly <laughs> on time or maybe yeah. if there's too many words it still kind of works in a way that I wouldn't I can't hear and be like oh like that line sounded a bit off right mm. it doesn't maybe that's just because it's fast energetic and it, that's just the style it works well with that but um, it would be yeah. great to know how he does recording of the vocals is he doing all this stuff like in various takes is there a lot of punching in like words <laughs> like because right. i've literally seen vocalists where they're like okay that line right there you said we're going on a date uh going sounded a little weak we're gonna run it by sing it we'll punch in for going yeah, it's like <laughs> like yeah. fixing it word by word to keep the intensity up. And it's just like, wow, that's exhausting. And if you're screaming, I mean, I don't know how these hardcore vocalists do it. I, my, I, have, a, I have the type of voice where I have like a, I don't know what they call that. It's like weak or something, or it's like I'm soft spoken because if I do too much of that, I just, my voice is gone. It's yeah. See ya. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the crossing. bit different feel with the opening riff i put in quotations foo fighters i don't really know mm. why but just and it's not even that long of a little thing but anyways just kind of what came to mind but as soon as the fast drums come in and it's back to it you know again a very anthemic chance gang vocals which give the song great energy song has a lot of great back and forth between the music and the lyrics different ups and downs yeah um, just makes for a really really fun listen Really fun listen. Yeah, again, another great song on the record, another fast one. Like I said before, I like this album for the fact that you just get one after another of these like quick, intense, loud, like energetic songs. And then, you know, you listen to them forever. Because, I mean, when I first got this record, I mean, I probably, list, I probably followed along with the lyrics when I first got it because I tend to, to always do that. But after a while, you kind of like forget and like you just you listen to it and you get used to how it sounds. And then you go back, right, because you're doing a podcast and you decide, oh, I'm going to like really dig into these songs. And I feel like I appreciate them a little bit when I kind of start to learn about mm. some of these stories. Yeah. Like some of the things that influenced these songs. Because otherwise, it's just a fast song that goes by and I don't think much about it. And I'm like, oh, that was a cool drum part. Or, oh, I love when the, the bass did that. But. This song seems to be inspired by people from Central America crossing the border looking for a better life. Uh, poverty, violence, lack of food, lack of jobs. Uh, these are just some of the many 
yeah. reasons why human beings are trying to better their situation, right? Uh, but no, 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 you can't, you can't come over into our country. You got to stay in your own country. We don't want you to have a better life, right? Nah. <laughs> Meanwhile, companies in this country are moving their factories to Mexico and lowering wages. And you think you're making the system better, and maybe it is more profitable, but it's just adding to more waste and frustration with consumers and. Mm-hmm. And like all that stuff, it's like why it just seems like a backwards way of doing it. But I oh, guess it, totally it keeps is. up the fast pace and the profit and the turnover yeah. or whatever. And but you know, somewhere, I get another somewhere, system that someone's I getting richer and richer. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's a system that will ever change. But no, I don't think so either. I had to dig into this one a little bit. The song references the beast, and I was like, "What's the beast?" In the second verse. Uh, I think what I found was it's the name of the train that people would jump on and hope that they survive to get across oh. the border. So the the beast was a train that uh, folks would get mm. on. That's interesting. The next song on the record is Spectacular. very high energy beginning to the song continues throughout there is a there's a part vocally that reminds me of old afi which is kind of a random reference but nice um i think sometimes it's just because there was another song too where um i had that thought i think it's just um like the energy and urgency kind of pushed pushed through vocally that gives me that comparison it's a very random thing it's just i don't even know if i'd be able to explain it well but when i hear it i'm just like oh sounds like davy havoc that's um, cool. Anyways, but yeah, like many of the shorter songs on this, yeah, on this album, it ends um, before really being able to get more into the song, which is good, I guess, because it makes you want to listen to it and repeat. And mm-hmm. um, but yeah, overall, really, really high energy song. High energy song, uh, definitely lyrically a little different than some of the other songs. We've we've got a lot of songs about corporations and greed and you know all this stuff, and this one takes a look at superficiality you know fake people (laughs) barnett said that this song is um about advertising body image you know telling the people you love and the world around Mm -hmm. you that your beauty and your uniqueness is important and not to homogenize yourself into this habitual of spending money on your appearance and feeling horrible and compromising your values and your peace because of the bus benches and the billboards and reality shows and entertainment culture bullshit. And so, yeah. you know, I mean, that that's huge and that's everywhere. I mean, this day and age where, you know, the, there's a look and you have to look a certain way and weigh a certain amount and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's never ending. And people, however many years back ago, like, all the problems they wouldn't have had, all the things they wouldn't have to think about. I mean, sure, they had to work way harder and, you know, didn't have the conveniences, but, man, yeah, so much of that stuff. Just like, man, what a waste of life for how short life is, you know. No, none of us knows our last day. Um, actually, not not to get on too sad of a thing, but I had a coworker uh, this week whose brother passed away in his sleep. Mm. And uh, just, yeah, it just made me think, like, man, like go to bed one night and that's it you know like why are we and i and i before mentioned about you know if i was on my deathbed i wouldn't be thinking about 
you know, this and that. And it's just <laughs> all the things that consume our our minds and our time and our money that are just like Ugh. so fleeting. But I, I don't, I mean, we're and such we a weird society. So much time on it. Yeah. Yeah. Like in our Why? society. Why do we do like, that? Seems like that's what we want. There's so many other places in the world, like there's none of that because, Ugh. well, partly because they don't, you know, they're poor. And so there's like their mm. day-to-day is figuring out how to survive versus how to spend extra money and resources on things that really don't impact the world that or your life as much as you might think it does. Yeah, exactly. So good reminder for sure. Yeah, I mean that's that's really wise. I mean thinking about how important certain things are and how unimportant other things are and I guess depending on your own values, I don't know, but it's always really baffled me that people can become so obsessed with image and money and keeping up appearances and how important it is to some people that like, you know, their lawnmower is bigger and louder than the neighbors or their boat or their, or like, you know, it's just what they have or how many likes they have or how many like these things that just don't even matter at all. <laughs> you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, what is all that getting you? I don't know. No one, no one listening to this yeah. podcast is again. It's like the <laughs> protest thing. No one's gonna be like, "Well, yeah, hey, gee, I was listening to these two knuckleheads on uh, Talking Records, and they really made me think about." But I mean, I think people get it. Like, it's yeah, it's a lot of energy spent in a place that just seems maddening on how much energy we spend there, and just taking a minute, like you have done, to say, "Hey, man, you know, this is finite. Like, we we don't have that much time. Like, why am I going to spend any time at all worrying about this stuff that doesn't matter?" Yep. Let's move on to Blackbird's Roar. All the world is waiting in the half-life where we live. Nobody left to lead us. Our time is closing in. I just It makes me think of like, People as numbers, you know, people on spreadsheets, like data, information, like, I don't know, <laughs> somewhere, somewhere there's like a, a warehouse that has all of our information because we just feed it into our computers with our passwords and our, you know, <laughs> our password questions, like what's your mom's maiden name? Like there's somewhere that has like all our information and we're really just, I hope they're enjoying it points on a marketing spreadsheet. <laughs> rather than you know human beings but yeah. i don't i mean i don't know that's just my my takeaway i mean it could be about a million things but yeah at the uh, at the 1 minute mark there's a short kind of instrumental progression which really stood out to me because that really ha- happens with strike anywhere and at mm-hmm. times i wish there were almost more parts like this they give a song a little bit more time to breathe but yeah. i also love the absolute relentless energy this band brings so that was just a <laughs> random curious and random thought that when it came on i was like oh when's the singing coming in i mean it came in pretty quickly but even just to have a full progression with nothing but um yeah otherwise the song brings good dynamics the rest of the album uh get more mid pace and lots of great melody love it Mm -hmm. yeah i often think about that like bands like strike anywhere and even like like lifetime speaking of jade tree yeah these bands that like really hit hard and have these fast songs and I love them because they're like just these bursts of energy. 
And I often wonder to myself, like, I wonder what it'd be like if, like, they just were, could do that, but also, like, give us a little bit more musically. Because I like, I mean, I've been doing a lot of lyric talk on this record because I feel like there's just not a whole lot to talk about music-wise. Not because they're not doing, like, really intricate guitar work or drumming, but there's just not a lot of space. There's not a lot of different parts where you can go like, oh, into this bridge, you know, they're doing this, that, and the other thing. So, it, you know, it's just not a whole lot to go into with that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're you're into the lyrics because it's like it is easier for me just to pick out little musical things, even if it's all yeah. somewhat similar. But um, <laughs> like that, that's what grabs me, right? Where it's just like, oh, all of a sudden there's not lyrics instead of. Mm -hmm. like all this lyric like what does that mean like i just i I don't think that way all the time or if i do i'm just like yeah it means whatever it means moving on (laughs) (laughs) you know but what now that you you know with this album going into some of the context of it then it's like oh there is a lot more going on here so it's Mm -hmm. yeah there's there's a lot going on in general the next song is omega footprint This is one of my favorite songs on the album. I love I like the, the flow song. of the yeah. song, the catchiness to like a pretty quick chorus. Um, there's something about the melody that's so good to me, especially in the line, all the way to Greenland's rolling out part. Um, yeah. It's just super catchy. You know, it's a very kind of to the point song. Um, yeah, not a whole lot to say about it, but I just, every time this one comes on, I'm just like, oh man, this is an awesome song. It is. And they are very melodic. And I love how they, they use that. To I mean, it's hard. It's hard to say like, yeah, strike anywhere. Song is catchy. I mean, they are, but like, they're not like. It's not pop, you know. It's not. Yeah, it's not, not earworms. Yeah, yeah, they're not earworms. I'm not going around singing Omega Footprint. I mean, maybe I am, but like, <laughs> but they are able to create these songs. They're so like melodic and interesting to listen to that they do kind of like stick in your your ear. I mean, there's a ton of places on this record that get stuck in my head all the time. Yeah. Um, and they do that without making it like overbearingly sugary, like repetitive, like annoying, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. that's no, definitely one of the things that stands out about them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even maybe more so than some other bands in a, in a, in a similar genre that like, sure. it's just, yeah, just the melody of, of the, the yell screaming and the chanting and the, um, like the gang vocals and like just everything. Yeah. They just, they know how to. To make it memorable without it being like this is going to be the hook, everyone's going to be jumping at this part. Like, yeah, and that's. I mean, I, I wish I knew how to write songs like that. I yeah. I am more drawn towards the like, okay, what's going to be the big chorus or kind of the catchy hook, like more <laughs> of the pop punk. Just maybe yeah. just because it's easier to do, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, they do that so well. Yeah, this is the band's Hurricane Katrina song, the Apocalypse of the Natural World song, you know, like these natural disasters, hurricanes, tsunamis, uh, tornadoes, earthquakes, whatever, you know. <laughs> um, he talks about, he has this quote, when we get past the tipping point of what our species and our footprint has done to the planet, and when there's no way to get back from it, being okay with the burning and drowning and the waters rising and everything changing and of us not being able to evolve about what we're doing to the planet and what she has to do to heal herself and move on. 
it's like a happy with the apocalypse song it's about enjoying the finite time we have here despite all this hatred and oppression and complexity just trying to feel the natural world for a second and you know i'm not i'm not quite sure i understand what he's what he's talking about there Mm, but it's just like it's hard for people to understand or even sort of grapple with the magnitude of how us tiny little people can aff- affect our planet. You know, what, what kinds of things that we could do or we could stop doing that would actually be really helpful. Yeah. Um, the resources or to the, the amount of waste, things like that. Next song is called Summer Punks. This one is interesting because there's a long essay about this song in the layout of the record. I have the the vinyl record. I don't know if this okay. is in the CD, but there's this like long story that Barnett tells about his father. Uh, it says, my father told me about growing up in the segregated South in the early 50s, growing up in a poor white community right next to an even poorer latrine dug black community a school bus full of white children on a dusty road in the heat in the south and a grown african-american man walking to work and one of the kids on the school bus leans his head out the window and spit full on the face of this man the school bus driver an illiterate caucasian working class man who has no cultural reason to react to this kind of changes my dad's life my dad was one of the younger kids on the bus The driver stops the bus, slams on the brakes, goes back, and finds the kid who spat in the face of the black man on the road. And he said, you have to apologize to him and with your clean handkerchief, wipe his face or I will not take you to school. So he goes up and apologizes and gives his handkerchief to the black man who is also astonished. The story, this sense of wonder, it's not nature, it's not nurture. There's something deep within us that recognizes, even in the South, that this was wrong. The school bus driver is, for every other purpose, a historically unimportant man. But how the story, how much of an impact it had, and how it's still having an impact, there's this hopefulness inside of us all, despite how fucked up everything is. And so, it's this long story about how this Mm. moment impacted Barnett's father and then through father impacted him about how important it is to do the right thing and to uh, amend for wrongs and you know so yeah it's always always good to hear those little stories where it's I mean the bus driver could have easily just kept going and been like ah whatever he'll learn his lesson some other time but I mean I think you know that's that's hard in this day and age because we're so you know, whether it's just bypassing, you know, a homeless person on the street or whatever, like it's easier just to kind of be like, ah, not my problem at this moment. And I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah. Kind of whatever. But I mean, you, you never know whose life he could impact. And look at this. Now we've got a cool song because of something that happened, whatever, 50 years ago or however much longer. And so, I mean, in that yeah. way, it's encouraging because it like... You know, like we're talking with all these all these big problems going on in the world that can feel like, 
you know, you can't really have an impact or one person can't, but I mean, in some senses you really can. So it's uh, kind of a mm-hmm. funny balance in that way. Yeah. yeah, it's a really cool and uh, different opening to the song, kind of compared to the rest of the album. And for me to kind of add that element of suspense to see where the song was was going, yeah, uh, it has a bit of a different feel at times, which again adds to the song being interesting and engaging. Um, I, I kind of feel like I'm repeating myself on some of these things, but again, <laughs> songs like this remind remind the listener that a, you know a short song can still have lots of different parts and dynamics while sounding cohesive. So yeah. while some of the songs are just you know, fast, straightforward. Some of them are still fast and energetic, but with, you know, just enough different dynamics in there to, you know, not just fly by and be like, oh, okay, that's done. But, you know, little things that kind of like, oh, where's this going now? Oh, okay, there it is. And um, mm-hmm. so, that's yeah, I, I really like songs like this. Yeah. Lots of whoa, oh, oh's in this one too. But, uh, you know, after reading that essay, it made, it made, the lyrics made a lot more sense to me because in the lyrics it talks, the driver shouted out, it's time to turn this around, wipe the dust and spit it from his face. Like, it makes more sense mm, to me for sure. uh, after reading this essay just because I don't know what, what he's talking about when he's talking about wiping spit and dust. And really great song, like you said, very intense. First Will and Testament. This is probably the first song that we've had on this record that deals directly with grieving. Mm, yeah. He talks about grief in this one. We've lost good friends of ours over the past three years, he says. A roadie, a photographer, an activist in Richmond, another friend. They all died young, either self-administered or mysterious deaths. It hit our community really hard, and my bandmates as well. It's about what you do with grief and about remembrance and not forgetting but rather allowing you to continue your conversation with the person to still exist because they'll never leave you. They'll always be a part of you, even if their body is gone. Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a a more uplifting song in a, you know, I mean, dealing with loss and grief isn't uplifting, but um, just the overall message of it. um, Yeah. Like where you said, you're, um, kind of working towards a better future, not always letting kind of the massive problems in the world bring you down, but carrying, you know, the good things in life forward from, from loved ones or those around you that have passed. And so it's nice to have songs like this to break up some of the intensity that, that flows through this album, lyrically mm. especially. And um, yeah, just great melody, um, especially at the end of the song and has a real, you know, feel good energy to it, which I love. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. uh uplifting it's it's sweet i mean he sings every september i always remember to sing to your headstone and hear you sing back and that's just a nice way of like remembering your friend just the groundskeeper calling yeah (laughs) it's a guy (laughs) hiding behind the stone but anyway i always like this song as well next up we have western scale Barnett writes, it's the peace punk song I've always wanted to write. It's the perfect mix of Discharge and Billy Bragg. (laughs) It has to do with what war does to all of us. The war economy, our recession, the moral erosion of the idea of a junk war. My bandmate, Mark, 
He's talking about Mark Miller. Has a good friend who came back from Iraq, but mentally he's hurting, fractured. And the song is for all the people that we see around the world that are involved in the military, who come to our shows, that want out, that want a reason to hope for something else. It's for all our friends and the people I've worked with in the counter-recruiting movement, trying to get people to know their rights. Recognize that soldiers are human beings and have been manipulated into this terrible place, and a lot of horrible things have happened, but we can heal together. That's what the ending's about, trying to get out of this place where we've all been compromised and our civilization has been by this addiction to war. Mm. And so to me, that just speaks to like the amount of conditioning that happens with these soldiers, but then when they're released, that there isn't really anything in place to you know, get them out of that zone and you know, I don't I don't know what the proper terminology is, but you know, they do spend a lot of time in basic training, but what about a basic training to come out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is I mean, I'm, uh, I know there's lots of that out there. I'm not as aware of it, but there mm-hmm. is uh on uh there's a spot in the city here where I mean there's lots of spots where there'll be like, you know, homeless people on like a meridian in the road with a sign up. And there's often a guy there that has two um, prosthetic legs. Mm-hmm. He has a sign saying something about, you know, um, the prime minister's funding for veterans or whatever. And, mm. I mean, all that aside, just every time I see him, it's just like, man, like whatever this guy's been through to lose two of his limbs and to now be like, you know, sitting in the middle of a busy street begging mm-hmm. is just kind of like, man, what a sucky way to come about these kinds of situations right i fought for the country and now it was the country fighting for me yeah um mm-hmm. yeah i i love the opening to the song again has a, a bit of a different feel from where the song goes um yeah. this is another favorite favorite of mine off the album the, there's just something about the chord progressions that are interesting and have certain chords that catch my ear um, mm-hmm. it, it's simple and to the point, but but really catchy. Great vocal lines and melody throughout the song. Um, I also love how the song pulls back a bit during the bridge and kind of ends on a cool open part musically with you know the gang vocals again going. And uh, I just really love the energy to that and just kind of wish that would go a bit more. Like I don't know if it's just more of like a 4-4 four, four time where yeah. it just opens <laughs> it up a little bit, but it's just mm-hmm. a really cool uh, vibe then. That's cool. And you're a drummer. I can see your drum set in the background there. Um, so it's really cool that you notice these these parts in the songs. Yeah, for sure. I'm a guitar player, so I'm always listening to like guitar tones and guitar lines and stuff like that. So I always like to have people that play different instruments come on and tell me about other things happening in the music. Yeah, no, that's cool. <laughs> the record closes down with Postcards from Home. good album closer you gotta have a good we were talking about track one you know track the last track in my opinion has to equally it has to be the bookend you know it has to really be a big a big way to go out you're like when it's over you're like yeah (laughs) that was a great album i want to listen to it again yeah it's uh like on on uh the podcast that i do we we always talk about that like an opening and closing song and Mm -hmm. um you know, especially now with streaming, that's probably not as important to lots of people. Mm. But 
for yeah. those of us that grew up with CDs and the concept of the um, full album, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, and yeah, this song is a great way to end the album. It kind of has all the classic elements from Strike Anywhere that you'd expect. You know, great dynamics, cool lyrics that portray what seemed like a really cool story. Um, the song fades out while still going fast, which hmm. makes me want to listen to it again because I'm kind of, you know, you're kind of getting into the energy of it. And then it's like, oh, where's the song going? Oh, it's ending. <laughs> and uh, so, in a way, yeah. it's just like, oh, no, not yet, not yet. But then again, Don't you, go. you want to go uh, listen again. So. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, after fifteen songs, it's a uh, yeah, great way to end it. I know you forget that there are fifteen tracks. Yeah, on here. well, I mean, yeah, a handful of them are you know maybe two minutes or less, so it's yeah, it's not like it feels <laughs> overwhelming. And I mean, again, we come from it's only um, twenty nine minutes. Oh, yeah, it's, it's almost thirty. It's like twenty nine and fifty something seconds. So it's it's like right there on thirty minutes. But yeah, it it breezes by. Do you would you rather have? 10 songs at three minutes versus 15 at, you know, two to three minutes. Like, do you I don't know. I've often mis- wondered that. And I think like I have that like psychological thing where I'm like more song titles means, you know, longer album because I've laughed about that before where like a record will have nine songs and I'll be like, it just doesn't feel like a full record. But then you look at the time and it's like, Oh, but it's 35 minutes long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, time. Is it about tracks? Is it? Yeah. You know, and then I look at like a rancid record where there's like 39 songs on it, and I'm like, oh god, this looks like it's gonna take yeah, forever to listen too to. Much. And it's it doesn't. It's the time is still short, but there's too many tracks. I don't know. It's all psychological. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess maybe it depends place and time. I mean, it wasn't um, uncommon for for bands, you know, in the 90s to have you know 15 to 20 songs mm-hmm. on them. So yeah, it, I like a good 12 songs, a good 30 minutes. Yeah, give me twelve songs in thirty minutes. Give me like a give me a hidden track that maybe adds another couple of minutes on just for fun. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, it's just always interesting to hear how other people perceive time yeah. and length and mm-hmm. quantity over quality. Not that that is this, but sometimes that that you know. It's just like, oh, well, we had 15 songs, so we just record them all instead of like, well. Well, see, yeah, I have a, I have a problem with that. Like, there, I, I can think of a few records that I think you could clip three or four songs off and it would be a stronger album, you know? Yeah. Um, I think sometimes that is a problem, like where you have, I don't know, I, I don't know if it's filler because I don't think anyone's trying to fill a record. Well, but like, I, I can so think of a few right. records where I'm like, why is that even on here? Like, they could have just done like a nice 12 songs. They've got 14 on here. They don't need these other three. You know, it's like <laughs> they had enough material. Why are they trying to jam all this stuff on here, you know? Yeah. Or, yeah, like, again, that same podcast I was referencing before with the covers album and the fulfillment, fulfillment of a contract. They did an album where it was like it was. they just didn't have enough time between the, the previous album and touring, and they were just like, okay, well, here's, you know, four or five kind of joke songs just make it what it is and mm-hmm. you know so then there are times when you are just filling it but i mean that's that's a whole different yeah. conversation so <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so back to this one really quickly according to the notes it's about child soldiering in africa the legacy of king leopold's ghost and the work of groups like invisiblechildren.com mm. this historical legacy of imperialism and colonialism and all the ethnic warfare that is part of that. The whole world needs to wake up and follow through with promises to make it right. Also, beyond Africa and third world nations and depressed and manipulated economies, 
places that are fractured, places that were never meant to be one region, but their borders were drawn on a table 12,000 miles away. So that, you know, oftentimes people who write these songs can speak with ambiguity and like give some ideas of what it's about, what it could be about. I mean, I, I feel like it's, this is just another song that's asking us to take a look at something that's not in our everyday. They're asking yeah. us to say, hey, instead of worrying about your image, instead of worrying about what shoes you're wearing or how many likes you got on your post, maybe take a look into like this stuff that's happening in the world, like this really messed up stuff that maybe you feel like you can't do anything about. But just imagine if we were all thinking about it <laughs> yeah. instead of this other stuff, you know, who won on The Masked Singer last night, if we were all thinking about some of these other things, maybe we could do something about it. Maybe there yeah. could be change, you know? Yep, no, it's a good good way to see it for sure. And yeah. Maybe we'll get there someday. Well, uh, maybe. Who knows? All right, so a quick look at this art. I always love the art. Uh, this is Jason Mazzola, and it's just, I love the green. Uh, yeah. It's really cool. I love the, the logo uh, and the title, uh, barnettoldpunknews.org. It's the name of the group that came up with the, the symbol, the anti-fascist circle, the three arrows. They started in the 1930s, and they were a movement of diverse people, and they could see all these problems on the horizon, and it's just a symbol that was often associated with the band, um, but it's bigger than our music and punk. Uh, for the 10th anniversary, we wanted to give the symbol back to that group. Uh, I don't know. So just talking about that that Strike Anywhere logo a little bit. Yeah, it's cool. The Iron Front, you know, standing against the wrongs of the world, forming an Iron Front. Um and that's it. I mean, it's 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 a pretty cool album cover. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Overall, this album's a, a ten out of ten for me. There's, mm. I when I get to the end of it, I don't think like oh, I wish this or that, or I would change this. Like it, I don't <laughs> know. Yeah, it's one of those ones where it just it does what it needs to do, and it's fulfilling, and everything sounds great, and I love it. Yeah, it charges you up. It gives you something to think about. Definitely. Um. It's really good. I've always I've always really enjoyed this band. They've got a lot of good records out, a few EPs, and I keep coming back to them. I keep coming back to this record. Definitely one of my my favorites of that, you know, the mid two thousands era. And uh, Aaron, I'm super psyched that you were able to join me tonight and, and yeah, talk about this record me. with me. This is fun. Yeah, love it. Always well, great to have time. you on. Thanks. We talked face-to-face -face last time. That was great. So make sure you go back and listen to Aaron and I talking about face-to-face -face on the podcast, the self-titled record. Yeah, that was a good one. That feels like a long time ago. So it's, uh, It was a long time yeah, ago. Good to be back. Let's, let's not wait this long again. Aaron, anything uh, before we go? Uh, just go listen to Strike Anywhere. See what you think. If you got any different thoughts, then comment on the post and we can see it. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think these songs mean? <laughs> or what's your takeaway? It's always cool to see what other other people think. Maybe we're way off or yeah. maybe we hit something that somebody else was thinking. Or Yeah. Definitely. Well, I'd like to thank you, Aaron. I would like to thank punknews.org for the interview that I read, giving me a lot of these insights into the songs. Uh, also, the liner notes of the record. I love when bands will, like, will give you a little bit more insight into songs. They'll essay it up or whatever they do to just give you a little bit more insight into the either the lyrics or the process i always enjoy that stuff 
Yeah. Obviously, that's why I do this podcast. I would like to thank Krista Makes from Less Than Jake for the theme music. I would like to thank all of you for tuning in to this podcast. It really means a lot to me that you devote your time to listening to me and all my friends talk about the records we love. I love when you will actually reach out and tell me your thoughts on records. Tell me which records you love and how you got into them. I find it deeply fascinating how people come to this stuff, how they find it. At what point in their life did they come across this record and what did it mean? So, talking records at Outlook.com. We've got email. We've got Twitter. We've got Facebook. We've got Instagram. We've got a lot of time on our hands, I guess, for <laughs> posting on these things. Make sure you check out the Growing Up Punk podcast, where Aaron is joined by his good friend David, and they talk all about the bands that they grew up on, uh, but also a lot of newer stuff you guys are diving into. Bands I had never heard of, but l- listen to your podcast. And I was like, oh, cool. I'll check these guys out. Yeah. So that's fun, too. Awesome. Very fun. All right, everybody. Take care. Aaron, take care, my man. Thanks for listening.